Thank you for downloading the PR Week, PR Week's weekly podcast. For more podcasts as well as breaking news, visit PRWeek.com. Hello and welcome to the PR Week, PR Week's regular weekly roundup of everything that matters in the worlds of PR and communications. My name is Steve Barrett. I'm the editorial director of PR Week and I guide you gently through another show. And uh, really excited about today's show. We've got Kaiwan Anderson here, who's director of DE&I at Nike Communications, and Amira Garba, who is the founder and CEO of Lovely Wine, which sounds good to me. We're going to find out about the story of that. So welcome, Kaiwan and Amira, to the PR Week podcast. How are you doing? Hey, Steve. Thank you so much for, for having us. Um, I'm, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Hello. Thank you hey, for Amira. having me. Super yeah. excited to be here. Yeah, good to have you on board. We're going to find out about the Black Acceleration Initiative and uh, Amira's business in the wine industry. And uh, then we'll get into chatting topical subjects with Frank Washcook, our co-host. How are you doing, Frank? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on, Steve. Busy, busy week. With yeah. The Super Bowl. Um, oh, for sure. The whole thing. The, the, the robotic ads. dog, yeah. Even the game. Even the game. We might mention the game, but it's all about the ads, isn't it, in the halftime show. Uh, Alison Gollist has followed Jeff Zuger out, out of the door at CNN. That story runs and runs. We'll talk about Valentine's Day. We're, we're hopeless romantics here at PR Week, so we'll talk about any noteworthy Valentine's Day activation. TikTok or Instagram, which is the most important for influencers? You will find out, listeners, later in this podcast. Edelman has hired Heidi Hovland. Interesting hire. And finish with the big one, pets in PR. This week's pet in PR is Pim the dog. So uh, we're going to find out the latest in our series, which is uh, tearing up the internet, breaking the internet. But uh, Kaiwan, let's let's start with you and uh, talk about, tell us a bit about Nike Communications, but also about the Black Acceleration Initiative. I think you're into the second year of that. Sounds like a Really interesting uh, initiative, and um, obviously, we, you know, we're talking in Black History Month as well. So, good to reflect that uh, this time of year, especially. Absolutely, absolutely. Thank you, Steve. Again, I want to thank you and PR Week for for having me and Amira on this week, uh, particularly around Black History Month. It is I like to call it Black History Future. I think that you know, uh, Black History, as we know, is just something that is constantly um, happening in the world. Um, we're creating it every day, and I think um, at Nike Communications, uh, this is something that we take very uh, seriously. And you know, the agency started over 30 years ago, actually over 35 years ago, by Nina Kamerner, um, and just takes on, you know, by chance, the same name as the other company. But we are, you know, creative. Uh, communications agency that specializes in PR and marketing for prestigious brands. And, you know, we, how we, we really just stumbled into DEI like everyone else, um, internally two years ago when the country was going through a racial reckoning and we realized that we needed to do, um, some real work, um, internally before we can help anybody else. But one of the things that we challenged ourselves with was coming up with, um, activation or program and programming for um, black owned businesses. And, you know, we have a, you know, a ton of other things that we, we, we work on internally, which is um, our diversity, equity and inclusion board. We have ERGs that we created. Um, we also are partnering with the HBCU for a multi-year um, commitment, but the black acceleration initiative is 
one of the crown jewels in our DEI program. And Amira was fortunate enough to be chosen as one of the three inaugural participants in the program. And, you know, with Lovely Wines, she kind of came in just hungry and ready to learn. It was her first experience working with the PR agency. So we feel like we did, you know, not only just a service for her, but also for the black community. I think this is something that will be um, felt for years to come. And as an agency, we're, we are so proud and honored to be doing this real important work. Yeah. And basically what you're doing is providing PR and digital marketing support. Is that the essence of it in, in a nutshell? That's correct. It's, it's pro bono PR um, and marketing support for black owned businesses. And we do it every year. Uh, we, we put out a, a call for applications in October. We went up, you know, we go through uh, tons of applications and it was, it's, it's a lot of work just to sift through and decide who will, you know, be, you know, given this, this, this service, because it's, it's, you know, as you know, in PR, it is, not cheap first of all it is a lot of work a lot of time and you know working with a client um big and small takes a, if anything the same amount of time and energy right so you know for, for us to to commit to this every year and to you know not just you know be performative um and and put a black square up on our instagram this is something that we have committed to um, as an agency as a whole, and we want to make sure that everyone, not only in our agency, feels it, but everyone that um, that needs to feel it outside of the agency as well. Yeah, so Amira, tell us a bit, a Lovely Wines, a great name, first of all, love that name, and um, tell us a bit about the company, and because um, you're based in New Jersey and not... not would, I am. Would yep. make the connection between New Jersey and wine. So I, I know you're going to tell me about that story and then maybe move on to how, <clears throat> how being part of the Black Acceleration Initiative has helped you grow. Absolutely. So, yes, I am a Jersey girl, but I make California wine. Um, started the company now. I'm in my, my sixth year, but got a lot of my recognition very, very um, recently, I would say within the last two years and the boom of, you know, Black businesses matter. Um but yeah, it started out as really trying to find my passion and purpose in life. Like I, Steve, started adulting way too early and I started, you know, checking off boxes and had a lot of the things that I thought I wanted by the age of 24, house, husband, kids, corporate job, and realized I wasn't fulfilled. So I really set out to find what was my passion. And I realized after reading the book, The Alchemist, which was really the inspiration behind even having the courage to start this brand was that I needed to just find what I like. And I like to drink a lot and I love wine. And so I started. Especially after the last two years. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, but I really, and all seriously learned that I really did like this world of wine. Wine culture is a thing. It's its own thing. It's, it's, you know, people study it for years. I've actually, since starting, have my um, WSET Level 3 certification in wine education, which means I know a little something, something, you know. I do wine tastings. I teach wine now. Like, I love this world. And I loved that um, minorities really weren't represented in the space. And I felt like I could come in and, and carve, you know, my stamp and carve my area and, and make way for other people, other women, other 
black women to come in and feel confident enough to, you know, enter this space where you don't really see people who look like us. So I set out to start a brand that not only was just, hey, not another wine, but good wine, great wine. And tell what, yeah, tell us about what lovely wine does and what's the sort of essence of the business. And how yeah, so I produce wines and I sell them direct to consumers. So you can buy my wines directly on my website, which means I'm not in the distribution system yet. Right. Like you will see me in wine shops. You will see me in local stores soon. That's what I'm working on this year. But I sell direct to consumer. I make small batch wines, um, pretty hands on. I file to California at least twice a year to work with the team to produce wines. Um, I've won some awards, you know, got a little bronze medal for my Pinot Noir, which comes out of Petaluma Gap. And my very first wine, which was a red blend. And I love making blends because as a Jersey girl, you know, I don't have a vineyard in my backyard. And so in order for people to take me seriously as a winemaker, I started doing blends, which means you really do get my personality in my wines, which is really just making great balanced wines. Like I love balance and everything. Like I told you, I'm a mom. I'm also a careerpreneur. I work a nine to five in marketing. And so and I do this. So I'm busy, you know, but yeah. I'm having fun. I'm having you, fun. You, you, see, you see why we love Amira? Like she, yeah. this is what she, she's a Renaissance woman. Like this is what, she, this is what sold us at, at Nike Communications and, and the Black Acceleration Initiative program was her personality. And it, like she said, it definitely comes out in the product. Yeah, for sure. Yes. And Amira, what you you said it's really taken off in the past couple of years. Is that down to the partly down to the help of Nike Communications in getting the story out there, as well as just I think yes, I think everything helps. Like just the people I met. So I got paired up with a mentor named Peter, who was absolutely, absolutely amazing. Um, and he like really walked me through like how to sell my story. And he taught me things, little things that I wasn't even doing on my website that would get me, you know, more traffic and, you know, more email subscribers. And so everything that they did and the fact that they never asked for anything, you know, except Kaiwan likes me to show my pretty face sometimes. So I do that whenever he asks, you know. <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> whenever he calls, I come running because they were just so giving, so giving. They supported my brand, bought wine sometimes like you know like i have never i've been a part of some great programs and i think um what they're doing at nike communication is really phenomenal like really just hey we want to help we yeah. really don't ask for anything in return and here's what you need to get you started in this pr world and they're really offering expensive services pro bono yeah like kaiwan said it's not just putting a, a box on social media it's actually doing something that's uh, making some changes so yeah because because as an inaugural member too like kaiwan didn't have to talk to me ever again like i really bother kaiwan about yeah. life stuff <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. She, i mean i'm even giving her vacation tips to bermuda like yeah. yes yes like i can yeah. call that team and everyone answers and everyone's just so genuine i didn't expect that i and i was honest with kaiwan so i was like i have low expectation i've seen this before when people you know want to say they want to help minorities actually you know level the playing field for us in certain industries and nike communication and the black accelerator initiative really did that like hands down that's good to hear. Now, uh, Kaiwan, you mentioned Black History Month earlier, and it's you know it's great to be able to focus on something for a month, but it's important, like you said, it's this is a year round thing. So, are these months good or bad? On you know that yes, every, everything helps, I guess. But how do you make sure that the the attention and the awareness um, sort of retains and you know carries on after one month? Sure. Yeah, and it's something that like I think you know 
it's a challenge, right? Because a lot of people don't expect to hear about uh, black history throughout the year, but I think it's something that I think we're living it every day when we turn on the TV or listen to or, or, or look at the news and we see Kamala Harris, right, on TV. Like those are moments, these are, we're living in, in, in black history, right? And so I think it's really important just like it is for the LGBT community um, to, to really keep talking about the issues that are facing, facing us um, beyond, beyond June during Pride Month, right? It's the same thing. I think, you know, corporations and companies should not be just supporting, um, you know, a certain community for a certain amount of time. I think, you know, these are, this is something that is a part of the DEI um, experience, which is really championing everyone and creating inclusivity and making sure that you are not missing these important moments. Um, and I think it's, yeah, that's, that's a challenge for, 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 in my job is like every day um, it's heavy work. And I think that people think it's just about checking off a box and it's really not. That's got to be much more than that. Actually, you were a member of our inaugural Pride in PR list last year. Yes, yes, I, 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 which feels like a lifetime ago, but um, you know, <laughs> but I really, you know, that was something that I thought, um, you know, for PR Week, you guys really stepped up and 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 again did important work. And I think, you know, in our industry, there's not only um, you know a lack of minorities in, in the forefront, but there's a lack of, uh, of a few, few things. And I think being out in PR is something that we, we've always done in PR, right? I don't yeah. think we've ever talked about it beyond PR because there's always, you know, um, like in corporate America or at a, um, you know, certain brands, you couldn't be who you are. I think in PR, that's the one thing about this industry that's so great is that everybody that, you know, that is out can be out, you know? Yeah, it's uh, uh, still work to do on culture in all organizations, but I think PR is, uh, is, a, is one of the more progressive professions, you know, so, but still has a long, long way to go on diversity of all types. And, and you know, we'll, we'll make sure we keep covering that. Just to finish up then, Amira, I mean, it's quite a traditional world, the wine world. Is it, or certainly I, I feel that from the outside. Maybe, I, maybe it's different now. But what were the biggest challenges of getting involved and, and maybe the biggest surprises or, or good things as well? You are absolutely right. Like, not going to lie, wine world, when I first started, I thought it was really all white and male and pretty boring. <laughs> so that was one of the things I wanted to come in and spice things up, you know shake some stuff up yeah, and absolutely. bring some light and fun and break down the walls of intimidation when it comes to wine. There are a lot of people who just want to learn about wine, but they feel like they have to say the right words or speak a certain way. And I'm like, forget all that. Find what you like, have fun, learn about it and take it from there. But I, what I have enjoyed about being in it is that since, you know, having this ideal that it's just white and male and finding my tribe in it, like there are a ton of black winemakers, there are a ton of black wine writers, you know, there are black distributors, like every, I feel like almost every day I'm learning about a new person in the business and those walls are coming down and I am just a, so proud and honored to feel like I'm kind of a part of that ground level where the face of wine is changing. The world of wine is changing. Some of the challenges that I think Black um, people face, or any minority really, in the wine industry is access. 
And I talk about that a lot. A lot of wine is old money. People who've owned properties, you know, and vineyards um, throughout time and pass them along to their family. And a lot of us are coming in with no property, you know, but just this love and passion for the craft. And that, that's been exciting. But we need access. We need resources, you know. Um, and well, give us, a, give us a, a plug for your website and give us a name of maybe one or two blogs or resources that where you, you know that you think are really good for the finding absolutely. Out well first of all everyone listening to this should absolutely go to lovelywine.com and purchase at least two bottles of wine like mm-hmm. you really have to and how do we spell um, that how do we spell the word so word? lovely is spelled l-o-v-e-l-e-e again l-o-v-e-l-e-e um the lee is a representation for my daughters who are amazing um, yeah, again, that. don't tell them I said this because they'll want me to pay them for using their name and likeness. But <laughs> lovely wine, one word. You can also find me on Instagram or Facebook at lovely wine and you can purchase there. Um, I recommend I have two wines available now. I have the um, what do I have? The 2019 Pinot Noir, which is award winning. And I just dropped a new sparkling wine, a Blanc de Blanc, which is 100 percent Chardonnay. Um from Carnero. So definitely I've heard nothing but great things. People go crazy for the Pinot. So definitely go and, and support that. It would mean a lot to me. feel very thirsty just listening to you describing it. So I will definitely check that out. So thanks. Uh, Thank you. Thanks, Kaiwan. And we'll get your input onto some of the stories uh, a bit later. Frank, um, over to the news. But just before we do that, you're on the Haymarket Diversity Committee. And I know, I know, talking about what Kaiwan was saying there, you know, that it's got to be a year-round thing, hasn't it? And and you've got to make sure that we're doing things that matter and not just sort of ticking boxes. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Um, you know, one, one thing that uh, we've been focusing on a lot recently uh, are how, um, how to incorporate bias training into uh, management training uh, or into, you know, hiring practices and things like that. And that, you know, in and of itself requires a lot of work in terms of, um, you know, getting people up to speed, making sure everybody is right with the terminology, um, and, and you know, really getting everybody on board. So yeah, that's that's definitely true. Yeah, it's good, good work going on there. At Notified, we champion the corporate storyteller. We empower public relations and investor relations professionals with the tools and technologies to tell your story powerfully, effectively, and flawlessly. Relied on by more than 10,000 global in-house and agency teams, we enable you to stay in control of your narrative with a suite of award-winning solutions and dedicated editorial and customer service. Notified. Your story goes here. To learn more, visit Notified.com slash PR Week. Amplify your story. Notified.com slash PR Week. Let's talk about the Super Bowl then. So, um, interesting one this year, wasn't it? And... um, Won by the the LA team, um, which was a shame because I was supporting the other lot. But because uh, my wife's from Kentucky and Cincinnati is pretty much Kentucky. But what was your take on the the whole experience this year? You know, it, it felt different, didn't it, to uh, last year? Felt like people were maybe ready for a bit more fun and maybe had moved on a bit from the lockdown vibe and the you know and, and there was a bit less concentration on purpose and things like that. Yeah, definitely a lot more fun. Um, I think that was obvious from the start because, you know, there barely anybody in the crowd with masks on uh, in L.A. Uh, and there was a full house. So, um, you know, it was obvious it was going to be a bit of a different vibe from from the Florida 
uh, Super Bowl of the year before in Tampa, where they had a lot of the cardboard cutouts in the stands and, you know, a limited capacity for, for human fans. So, um, it was a very good game. It was a very close game. It was, I think, a tough game to predict or to call for a lot of people. Um, I think in terms of the commercials, I mean, like you said, it was a lot more entertainment, a lot less purpose this year. Um, and, you know, I think that's a good thing because I think that, that on the night of the Super Bowl, I think people generally want to be entertained. Um, and, and I think that was very much the spirit uh, this year. And the halftime show was terrific, though. If you're my age, it kind of made you feel a little bit old. Um, so that's the only downside to it, right? But it was it was really a good night, and this showed up in the the NFL's ratings because yeah. uh, is the the biggest ratings for I think seven or eight years, um, and and just I I think the league had a good night. Obviously, the LA Rams had a good night, but it was a really well received product overall. Yeah, I agree. I agree, Frank, and I, I think that you know. That's the beauty of the Super Bowl, right? Is that every year everyone gets together, and even though what you know, you whether you root for one team or another, at the end of the day, it's all about going to Disneyland, right? Um, <laughs> so at the very end, but I think it was it, it was also a, a good escape for everyone as well, to especially with um, you know the recent controversy uh, of you know surrounding the NFL itself uh, with Brian Flores, I think that that was something that, you know, if the NFL could just create the Super Bowl every day for us, that would be wonderful, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah, go on. I just wanted to say something like, I love the Super Bowl. I'm here for all things Mary J. Blige. Um, Well, the halftime show. I don't, I think there's a game that happens during the halftime show. (laughs) I only watch the halftime show. Loved it. Loved it for hip hop, but I'm not really understanding these comments about the best halftime show of all time. Like, are we forgetting the Queen Beyonce performed? Mm. What about Prince? What about Diana Ross flying out in a helicopter? Oh. Now that I was a performance. All things beehive. Okay. I liked, I mean, Beyonce was incredible and in how she did it in the, how she did the dancing in the shoes. Absolutely. I just want everyone to respect my queen. That's all. That's all. <laughs> yeah, respect to Beyonce. And um, yeah. No, it was, it was a, a great show. Um, were there any ads that really stood out for you, Frank? Um, yeah, I know you like robots. So, I mean, the, did the robotic dog, did you click on the Coinbase uh, QR code, for example? Uh, no, I didn't click on it. But it, look, I think the Coinbase ad was the one that really got everybody's attention. And, it, you know, obviously stood out because of its simplicity and, and all of that. Now, our colleague Sabrina Sanchez mentioned, you know, there's a security risk or two uh, with running an ad like this or participating in it. And that's that's worth mentioning as well. But I, I do think they deserve credit for doing something different, especially when you're spending that amount of money for 30 seconds. I mean, that's um, that's yeah. a big risk. It could have it could have taken a beating if it didn't go well. It's like an old school video game for 30 seconds, yeah. pinging, pinging across the screen. But it, it felt like the sort of Reddit moment from last year, didn't it, where Reddit just did a five-second ad. This was the ad that mm-hmm. got everyone chatting. And, of course, their website went down. Now, I don't know whether they meant yeah. that, whether that was literally just so many people did click on the QR code. So that was certainly interesting. What stood out for you, Kai Wan, in terms of the ad? Actually, I, I will be very honest. I didn't <laughs> I didn't watch any of the ads. Okay. I would, I would, those, that was, those are the times I got up and kind of just did other things around the house. So I really was there. I was there for the performance. There you go. And Amira, did you did you watch any ads? 
Yes, I had two. One was because I that's again, there's a football game during the ads and the halftime show. Um, the Joneses one, and then the Jonas brother came up. I think it was a car, Chevy. You guys familiar with that one? Yes, yeah. I thought that was just super hilarious. And then, of course, as a proud member of the Android gang, um, I do not subscribe to Apple products. I love the Google Pixel commercial because I am a Pixel user. And no one respects us, but I think it was an amazing ad, and I love Lizzo. Yeah, so. and it was also one of the few ads produced by a black director, I believe. So, oh, which is one of the things uh, that we analyze every year because there are, there are a tiny number of women and, and uh, diverse, ethnically diverse people behind the camera. You know, which is there yeah. were there was more diversity in front of the camera now uh, this year. Uh, although still strides to be made on that, but behind that is the camera, exciting to know. Yeah. I did not know that, but yeah, I just want people in 2022 to respect the Android. Okay. <laughs> uh, I like the Jonas Brothers one because it had a dad joke, and as uh, Sabrina Sanchez, the aforementioned, well, she she loves my dad jokes, not very much, but there you go. Um, Frank, I like the Sopranos one. I should call it the Sopranos one, but it was the uh, Chevy Silverado, wasn't it? But it was a sort yeah, of it was a great ad. Meadow, and uh, it, I love that. From the no, it was it was a great ad, and and there's you know there's a great Easter egg in there, and that in that she parallel parks with with ease in, yes. in, in the commercial, and if you remember the last scene of the show, she, the, she did not get into the diner because she was parallel parking. So that was a that was a very nice Easter egg to throw in there. It was part of this nostalgia kick, wasn't it? That it, she instead of uh, she took the easy pass through you know through the through the toll rather than uh, obviously uh, Tony Soprano, he would, he had to stop. So it was updated and then easy EV electronic vehicle. So do you see what they did there? And then it was just kind of nice to have the, the great soundtrack of the Sopranos and, um, and it had the, well, the Meadow and the, the, they're still alive, right? Which, you know, that everyone sort of, um, speculates about what the the ending of Sopranos meant so that that one I I did like but uh, yeah it's always fun to watch the ads it was like you said 112.3 million people watched it which is up 16 percent on last year probably helped by the fact the game did go to the wire um and uh, yeah you know it was there was a lot of nostalgia there and there was a lot of um fun you know like there was a bunch of holiday company ads you know about people you know, life's too short. Let's get it. Let's go on holiday, right? Let's go get back out traveling, which I, I think I, I quite enjoyed that vibe. But um, yeah. All right. Well, um, a lot of money spent, that's for sure. So on those on those ads, so let's uh, the Alison Gollis situation at CNN. Um, Frank has moved on this week and she's now departed the company as well. Head of marketing and communications. Yeah, she's leaving. Um and uh, that follows uh, the departure of Jeff Zucker a little over a week ago. Um, and so, you know, like you mentioned, she is the head of marketing communications at CNN. Uh, the two had previously worked together uh, at NBC Universal. Uh, but there had been an internal CNN investigation uh, into the, uh, the goings on with um, Chris Cuomo, who worked at the network, uh, Andrew Cuomo, who was the governor of New York and found, you know, improprieties in the news division. Uh, of course, Alison Golis and Jeff Zucker acknowledged they had a relationship. Um, and this this has been the media speculation story of the, the, the year, this short year so far, in that there has been a lot of uh, 
a lot of column inches spent, uh, you know, talking about this. So it is it, it is the real like media navel gazing story of the moment right now. It really um, is. And, yeah. and going out the door, she wasn't very complimentary about CNN's parent company, Warner Brothers, was she? No, she wasn't. She wasn't. And, and you know, look, it's it's going to be interesting to see where she ends up. It's going to be interesting to see where Jeff Zucker ends up, too. Um, I, you know, who knows? We'll see. Yeah, I don't think that story's finished yet. For sure. Yeah, yeah, I think it's, I think I, I agree. It is going to be interesting, and I think you know Jeff Zucker is probably probably one of the most well-known media executives in the world because he has such close relationships with the talent, and the talent, and, and you know most talent loves him that he works with. And I think it's going to be really interesting one to see what happens to CNN and CNN Plus in terms of uh, programming because he was very hands-on. But I think it will also be interesting, like you said, to see where he lands and what he creates uh, next. Yeah, because it kind of scuppers that whole CNN Plus launch. That takes all the attention away from it because they were both working very hard on that. But that's a good point. Um, let's talk about Valentine's Day. It was Monday night and uh, straight after the Super Bowl. Interesting timing there. Were there any noteworthy activations, Frank? Uh so let me pull up a list of the Valentine's Day uh, campaigns this year. Um, we have uh, the Corona gift. Uh, we have the Pringles takeover. We have we have flowers for men. Uh, we have uh, and that's flowers for men is from Interflora, which is a UK based uh, e-commerce company. Yeah. Um, and. You know, we um, yeah, I think the usual the usual things, but we you know we're always watching to see what pops up on um, on social media. National Geographic had the wild pop up habitat, uh, which also marks the, the mark the start of Big Cat Week, which is you know weird, like you said, weird uh, coincidence there between the Super Bowl and <laughs> Valentine's Day and Big Cat Week. I'm assuming some people had a slower Valentine's Day than usual with it being the Monday after the Super Bowl. Yeah, everyone was a bit. Uh bleary-eyed on Monday morning on the subway, for sure. Kaiwan, you've got brands like Bombay, Sapphire, Clinique, Grey Goose. Yeah. Was it, were there many, were you doing Rosewood Hotels and Resorts? I mean, were you doing um, many Valentine's-related things at Nike? Yeah, I think, you know, we, we you know, at, at the agency with our clients, we're always um, doing, you know, pitching around, you know, cultural moments. And I think Valentine's Day is one of the 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 big ones. And as you mentioned, we have uh, the portfolio of Bacardi brands so, and Bombay Sapphire being one of them that I used to work on as an account director. Um, and I'm, you know, they, there's always a reason to drink, right? And so I think Valentine's Day is one of those, those moments where, um, you know, whether it's, you know, champagne or, or a, a cocktail, people are getting together to celebrate one another. And I think, you know, we were, our agency is always, you know, tapping into cultural moments. And so Valentine's Day is one of those special ones that I know that all the teams were, were involved in. Yeah, or a glass of wine, Amira. <laughs> yes, right. <laughs> Let's talk about it. Wine <laughs> is the beverage of choice for Valentine's Day, okay? Yeah. And if you have lovely wine on Valentine's Day, you automatically just get good luck. I love yeah. it. I love it. Absolutely. You fall in love. <laughs> lovely. I just, okay, I just put it together. <laughs> Listen, see what I did there? A there PR stream. Let's do this. Come time. on. Come on. <laughs> but I, I, was, I was choosing to protect my peace on Valentine's Day as a super single woman. So I did not watch any ads. I tried not to scroll the Instagram streets, you know. Well, um, we're going to come on. 
on to Instagram, actually, because, Frank, there's a new, um, is it a survey? Which is the most important for influencers, TikTok or Instagram? It's the big debate. Yeah, it. Uh, a lot of it depends on who you're trying to reach. Um, but I think the big surprise in this is that of all of the people uh, interviewed for Hype Auditor's State of Influencer Marketing Report, 68% of marketing specialists uh, said that Instagram is actually the most important out of the three big social networks for influencers. So that's Instagram, TikTok, uh, and YouTube. Now, there's some interesting stats in there, too. Now, that did surprise me because, uh, you know, we have heard so much about TikTok over the past year or two. I, I kind of thought just because of where it is in everybody's mind right now, people would say it's the most important. But, uh, no, it's still Instagram for now. Some other stats from this, 46% of American Instagram users are between the ages of 25 and 34, which is obviously a very hot market for marketers to reach. 83% of users overall are 34 and younger. Um, and most Instagram creators in the U.S. are nano-influencers, which means they have between 1,000 and 5,000 followers, and they make up almost 40% of influencers on the platform. So it's interesting, you, a lot of influencers not reaching a ton of people, uh, but, you know, in big numbers, and obviously those folks have uh, have a lot of influence with a, you know, very focused group of people. Yeah, Amira, um, two questions for you. TikTok or in Instagram, and you're an influencer yourself, so how do you use social media to get your story out there? So I'm going to say Instagram because I cannot figure out how to use TikTok. <laughs> I've tried. My kids have tried to show me. I feel like such an old woman. And I think the user interface is still not user friendly. I don't care what anyone says. It's not user friendly. You need it's not a PR agency to help you out with that. Do you know anyone? <laughs> <laughs> right? Listen, this is why I need to call Kaiwan, right? I know. Yeah. We have it's a, we have a like, <laughs> it's so busy to me, but I am primarily on Instagram. Um I think it's a, a better way to market. I, I think people are used to seeing ads there. They're used to you almost trying to sell them something. But I'm actually not, I don't really invest in like ads. I try to keep my in, my engagement organic. very organic, very yeah. organic. For now, it's it's fun. It's authentic to me. And I think that's what resonates um, with with my brand, with people. What about your clients, Kaiwan? Yeah, I'm I'm an Instagram guy. I'm I'm with the mirror. I have not figured out how to use TikTok. I have an account, but have not figured it out. I also think it's just one more thing to to distract me. I mean, I already have ADHD. I don't need anything else. But I also feel that Instagram is it. It should be. It, it makes sense for it to be the you know the go to. Uh, for marketers, I think, because it really hits the sweet spot in terms of the demo um, age group between like 18 and 35. Younger, you know, you know, kids don't want to do Instagram or Facebook. And I think our, you know, there's an older generation that's now tapped into Facebook. So I think Instagram is the cool spot right now. Yeah, I agree. And uh, I'm still stuck on Facebook and Twitter, but that's, like you say, the older demographic, I suppose. <laughs> I, totally I totally understand why people don't want to use Facebook, although they should know that Instagram is owned by Facebook. Or should we say meta these days? Meta. Yeah, and I think everyone also needs to be mindful that, of, about Meta. And I love what uh, Mark Zuckerberg did with changing the name because it's going to be synonymous with the metaverse, right? Yeah, and they're two different things. Meta and metaverse are going to be two different things. I'm scared of the metaverse. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> it's going to blur you the need line. To set up a virtual wine store in the metaverse, Amir. Listen, I've already had ideas about it, but I'm just like for the wrong people. This virtual world where people can be anything they want. Oh my gosh. 
They're already doing that on Instagram. <laughs> you know what? You're absolutely right. No, that's a subject for another show because kids are growing up in those virtual worlds, not coming out of their rooms, and, and it's they're kind of growing up exactly. like that, especially during the lockdown. But so, Exactly. Yeah. I'm a millennial, but I'm also a mom, so I'm in that space of like, oh, my gosh, like my kids are growing up so different. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right, Frank Edelman's made an interesting hire, Heidi Hedlund. Good to see her back in the industry. Yeah, she was uh, running a consultancy for a while that she founded, but she is back as global chair of food and beverage effective as next week uh, at Edelman. She's going to oversee more than 500 employees around the world uh, in the food and beverage sector, reporting up to chief corporate strategy officer Katie Burke. Um, Heidi is probably really well known to a lot of our readers and listeners as the former CEO of DeVries. Um, And she is taking over the role at Edelman from Megan Bonsamarin, who was named global chair of brand at Edelman uh, until she left the firm at the end of 2021. But uh, she took over that global chair of brand role in 2020. So she had that for about a year. Yeah, good to see Heidi back in a nice uh, high-profile job. And let's finish with the big news on pets in PR, Frank. I know it's your favourite item of the week. It's Pim the Dog this week. It's our second week of pets in PR, isn't it? Pim the Dog is uh, in the spotlight uh, this week of of pets in PR. Uh, Pim's human is uh, Bark's Stacey Grissom. Uh, Pim is a seven-year-old Jack Russell Terrier Chihuahua Pitbull Mix. There's a lot wow. happening there. There's a lot going uh, Yeah, a lot happening there. Um, but she, um, Pim and Stacy had worked together uh, both at home and, and in the office. And so uh, they both had to transition to uh, to working from home during the pandemic. Yeah. Kaiwan and Amira, have, have you been relying on your on pets to get you through or is, is that too much? I actually I, I'm a former dog, dog owner. I've had like two or three dogs in my lifetime. And I, there, I I'm on the fence with this one because I didn't I don't have a dog currently, but I wish I did during the pandemic because I do live alone. But and I were, there were lonely times, but I do, I do, I was able to go to Bermuda and work for about seven months from there. And I think having a dog wouldn't have allowed me to do that. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I, 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 I was, I'm on the fence. But, you know, dog, they say that dogs are babies that never grow up. So they, that's so yeah. true. That's so true. So you were in Bermuda working for Bacardi, were you? No, um, actually, I was there. Work, no, I was with Nike Communications. She's one of our. I mean, Bacardi's one of our clients. But uh, no, I was just there, and you know, Bacardi's headquarters there. And yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. But no, we, we, you know, it wasn't. It wasn't for Bacardi though. Because you can, basically. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Why not? Absolutely. Yeah, but I was, I was, I was enjoying the the, the beach views every day. Yeah. So. No, nice place, uh, Mira. Is the kids enough, or have you got pets as well? So I am a cat and a dog mom only because of my kids. If it was up to me, there would be no pets here. So there who takes them out for walks? Um, the kids. <laughs> oh, yeah. I do. I do. I help as well. But it was just like, why did I do this? Dogs need so much attention. And we have a golden doodle, which is probably the most energetic dog on the planet. Yeah. Um, my cat is like, you know, she doesn't fudge. You might have heard her earlier, though. I swear she hates from you. Do that, actually, yeah. <laughs> yeah. She, well, she, yeah, if anyone's got a pet they want to put forward for Pets in PR, do uh, contact Diana Bradley on the team. We're running this for the next couple of months at least. And, uh, yeah, it's a fun – we don't just 
to write about all the serious stuff. We'll do pets in PR as well, so that's nice. Listen, thank you, Kaiwan and Amira. It's been terrific uh, finding out about your stories and about Nike communications and lovely wine. So, uh, yeah, great to chat to you. Thank you. Thank great. you. Me. This was fun. Thank you, Steve, and thank you, PR Week. It was a pleasure. Yeah, no worries. Thank you, Frank. Um, always a pleasure. And so, Yeah, thanks for having me on. Appreciate Frank's it. Frank's doing the show next week because I'm on vacation, so uh, Frank will be in charge. And Are don't you forget, working? I'm going to Palm Springs no. for a bit of sun. Nice. So, yeah. PR Week Awards, don't forget that. It's the Oscars of the PR industry. That's in a month on the 16th of March in New York, getting back together for the first time in three years. It's going to be a big party. 10th of May is our Healthcare and Pharma Comms Awards, our inaugural show again in New York. That'll be great. In London on the 18th of May, that will be our PR Week Global Awards. Looking forward to that. I haven't been back to London for two years. And our Brand Film Awards, that will be virtual on the 26th of May. But uh, you need to get your entries in because the first deadline is next week, the 24th of February, and the final deadline is the 6th of March. And if you haven't got your agency business report submissions in, I hope you have got and Nike, um, you need to be working on that because time is running out. But that's all we've got time for. We'll see you next time on the PR Week. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the PR Week. To find more episodes, visit prweek.com.